Packers News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. G'day listeners to the Spurs News Podcast, I am Sam, joining me to welcome our new Australian overlords, it's my partner in crime, it's Matt. G'day mate. G'day, um, Scott Munn arrives and with him our new head coach, God I've been dreading this moment, welcome Ange Postacoglu. Yeah, you done well there. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Let's call him Ange. Yeah, it's 20 minutes in the mirror this morning, not wasted. <laughs> Posticoglu, uh, I believe, uh, is it Greek-born or, or Cypriot-born? Uh, and then moved to Australia, very much Australian now, if you, if you listen to him, obviously growing up there. Um, I've spent the last, I don't know, feels like a week, watching every interview, every team talk he's ever given, every... <laughs> just sort of trying to get an idea of who this person is. Because, to be quite honest with you, up until his name got linked with us, he was not someone I was overly aware of. What about yourself? Yeah, for me, uh, I don't know if you, I probably mentioned it on the podcast a couple of years back, but Seb and I went to, um, we did a stadium, we did a few stadium tours in a weekend. So we started off at Spurs, went up to Manchester United and finished up at Celtic the next day. Yeah. And it was when he'd just been hired. So it was a couple yeah. of years ago. So I was aware of him. And uh, because I'd been on that stadium tour, I started following the, the Celtic uh, Facebook page, mm. and they weren't happy with him to start with. They weren't, and then he lost. I think he lost two of his first few games. And I can remember yeah. seeing, "Oh, what, who is this clown we've got here? You know, we should have gone for, we should have bought, uh, uh, I think, Brendan Rodgers back." Never, and all. Yeah. yeah, and slowly but surely, he's he's brought that philosophy. And I'm I'm probably the same as you. I, I waited until it was official because I wasn't going to get carried away like I've done with countless other managers in the last two times this has happened. But ever since I have, I am well impressed with him. I I feel like, um, look, I I know we always say, me and you, that it's the hope that kills you. Yes, (laughs) that's what all their estifacers Yeah, of course. It's the hope that kills you. And 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 you probably listened back to the the podcast we did when Conte first took over or Mourinho first took over yeah. and I'm looking for the positives I'm saying this is going to be a new duel it's going to be fantastic and, and it's for me I, I just want to look for the positives and and I think you know time will tell obviously like it has done in in, in the past with Spurs yeah. but I feel like it's the right time to get him for a few reasons first reason I think is the fact we're not in Europe this season next the season coming up yeah, and I'm trying not to think about Europe after watching that game yesterday. I want to talk about my father-in-law's and my father-in-law's a West Ham fan and really lovely bloke. And for him, I'm glad for him, but no, no one else, no one else. Yeah, right. so I was, ha- I was happy for that, that they won for him because he was he was 14 last time West Ham won a European trophy. He's in his 70s now, so I'm glad he's got to see that. You know, I, I feel that this is a similar path I'm on, but yes, yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah, sure. So. With, it looks like, and you, you're, I'm, I'm hoping you agree with me, especially as you've seen all the footage as well, with with Ange, it looks like he's a sort of bloke that needs to come in, not have the distraction of the Eurovision Cup. The, the Eurovision? Whatever it is, they've just won, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the Cup winners, Eurovision 
whatever it is. You know, yep. Let him have it. So he's not got that distraction. So he can now focus on getting his philosophy in. Um, yeah. Getting like he he looks a master. Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Motivator. He looks yeah. a master motivator. And also, and, and you may I don't know if you've seen this article. Uh, not that I read read this particular paper, but it just come up when I typed Ange Postacoglu in, in the search engine in Google. But yeah. it come up and I think it's a Sun article about how there was a Celtic player that was a bit mouthy, he's quite young. Yeah. Did you ring a bell this 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 story? No. So he's quite I don't know, I forget the player's name, but he was quite mouthy and he was, you know, giving it all the banter with the players. So he didn't realise that they'd been on a tour somewhere. Uh, it was 14 hours away, wherever it was. Mm. So I can't remember what it was. Maybe, but maybe it was a second leg of a trip to Australia or something. But anyway, um, that he didn't know that they could pre-book their seats. He just thought we'd get on the plane and it'd all sorted out. And they pre-booked his seat next to Ange. So he said, I had mm. 14 hours sitting next to him. And he said, it was the worst 14 hours of my life. He said, I had the window seat and he was mm. sitting to the right of me. And he said, I, did, I couldn't go to the toilet for the entire 14 hours because I was so scared about waking this guy up. So he, <clears> said, <throat> they, oh, wow. they, he said, they was all drinking alcohol the whole time. And I was just having sips of water. He said, because I was so scared of this guy. But it, it, it it's not the fact that he was, you know, it was because of how, how he commands so much respect. That's basically yeah. how the article went. And I'm wondering whether, you know, take away the, the European distraction, put in the fact that we need to build again from the bottom almost, and we've got yeah. we're getting someone in now who's going to create this, you know, this 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 new kind of dawn, if you like. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty positive. Um, it's it's a weird thing because you go into this managerial search. And I, I had certain people in my mind who I thought, if we are able to bring these people in, I think we'll improve. And I think it's good for the status of the club. And, and you're looking at Nagelsmann and people of that. And I'm looking at, you know, and of course, I, I very much wanted us to, uh, our chairman to swallow his pride and ego and bring Mauricio Pochettino to come back. Now, all of that being said, um there are reasons that the club haven't done any of that and all right fine we'll we'll park it and we'll see where we are the reality is the situation the club's in now we do need to do what you just said it needs to be a complete rebuild it needs to be an acknowledgement that it went wrong um <clears throat> the club built and built and built and i think this is where we as a fan base have really struggled the last couple of years uh, i mean I'm speaking as a fan base. Let, let, let me just speak for me. That's probably better. I've struggled the last few years because we have ever since. I'll tell you the. I'll tell you the time that it was. Um, we appointed Jack Santini, who was the France manager. Do you remember? Yeah, it did last year, did it? No, God, no. no. <laughs> but there, this, this is the thing, right? We appointed him, and I looked at that, and I was kind of like, "Wow, we've made a couple of really good signings as well." We've appointed the current French national coach. Of course, France were world champions at that point. And I was like, this this is this is impressive. Now, that guy took our job just before a World Cup. France then got knocked out in the group stage of that World Cup. He arrived with us, basically now a disgraced national figure in France, and couldn't get his message across, didn't really speak the language, and was gone within the first, I think, six games? Mm. Six league games, anyway. Now, we brought in an assistant who spoke French, English, Dutch, pick a language, the man spoke it, he had fantastic interpersonal skills, brilliant man management and motivator, and that guy was named Martin Yol. I love Martin, Martin Yol. 
from that moment on, I have felt, and of course, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a straight line by any means, but from that moment, I have felt like the club has been building towards something. Previous to that, mid-table was the best I could hope for. Genuinely, it was the best I could hope for. Martin Yole took us from that to we are now a Europa, we are a European football playing team. We should be in those brackets. Uh, we started pushing clubs we'd never pushed before, you know, quite literally, Yole and Finger nearly came to blows at one point. And we started, and we were playing really nice football. It was really nice. We were the entertainers. We were the team that people enjoyed watching. Like, you know, oh, if I'm a neutral, I'll put a Tottenham game on. I know it'd be fun. And and that kind of grew. And yeah, like I said, it wasn't a straight line. Martin Yule getting sacked at half time, um, bringing in the guy who, of course, is the last man to ever win us a trophy, um, but did so with Martin Yole's team, which still kind of grates me a little bit that that happened because if it had been Martin Yole who'd lifted that trophy I'd feel really good about it but I still yeah the other guy um he then went and of course then we had Harry Redknapp Harry Redknapp picked us up brushed us off and took us back where Martin Yole had us um and, and we again progressed we made a Champions League for the first time and we had probably some of the most fun I've ever seen in Champions League football, like Gareth Bale's night at Inter and stuff. It was just, you know, taxi from Icon. That night was brilliant, hilarious. It was mental. Um, I remember our first game in the Champions League was a qualifier. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, against Young Boys, wasn't it? Yeah, and we went like 3-0 down. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. And I'm watching us just thinking, I've waited my life to watch Tottenham in the Champions League and we're not going to make it because we're getting knocked out in a qualifier by Young Boys. <laughs> this, this is not good. I was, yeah, this, this is not good, I kept thinking to myself. Um, so, yeah, I it's not been a straight line. It has been coaches taking us forward, then... Let's go into the side. Mauricio Pochettino coming in when he did, I felt the club was in a bad way. It felt like after AVB and Sherwood, we had a team that was completely disconnected from the fan base. We had units within the squad that were disconnected from each other. Um, mercenaries in in the nicest possible way, like Adebayor and people like that were in the side. Um and, and it just felt like a mess. And he came in, he tried to address it, because a lot of people forget that like when Mauricio came in, he didn't really do a lot with the squad initially. He came in, he appointed Eunice Kabul as his captain, which a lot of people forget. Everyone thinks it was Hugo from day one, and it wasn't. Um, his first few teams he put out, you know, there's no sign of the youth players or anything like that, and we were doing crap. We he like Mauricio even said himself he thought he was getting sacked, and Harry Kane came off the bench and hit a free kick against Aston Villa, which took a massive deflection, probably his only free kick goal by the way. Um, and unless you it count saved the, uh, him. Unless you count the sort of the indirect. I don't. I don't know if I count that. I don't know. I. I mean, I guess so. It was a friggin' hell of a goal. Great goal, yeah. I love the way they've solved the problem though. Like Harry, if the ball stood still, you clearly can't score. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to roll it. Yeah. Move the, move <laughs> the then, ball out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can smack it like it's normal play, like you normally do, and wallops <laughs> top bins. That was something else. But um, anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, and and it just kind of feels like. 
we're there again. It feels like we're there again. Like the fan base is completely disconnected and divided. Um, you've got people who are so passionate about Enoch Levy out now that if you so much as say, hey, I like the new kit, they'll jump on you and scream in your face. If you've got people who are so virently against the new head coach because uh, he's Australian, he's done, he's never managed in a top five league, we're Tottenham Hotspur, we're supposed to be bigger than this. I think the message I've got to get across to everyone right now is right now we're not. Mauricio Pochettino took us to a level where we were a consistent Champions League team. And then, uh, I'm not going to go into it again, but then it all went wrong. Decisions made within the club, decisions around recruitment, uh, squad enrichment, if you like. Um, it all went wrong. And since it's gone wrong, we've we've gone from uh, Jose Mourinho, who the football, watching the football under Jose was really difficult really difficult you had one or two results and you thought oh wow maybe this could work maybe this could be entertaining but the rest of it was just so drab and if anyone who watched Roma in that uh, Europa League final it is just awful to watch it is just not fun um, and that was just a horrible reminder of how it was under him then of course there's that other guy Do you know what's interesting? Did he last longer than Santini? Now, now I need to look that up. Yeah, you need to look that up. But I think he might have done. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, But there's less said about that the better. That was ridiculous. And then Conte came in. I mean, you both were like, wow, this is a major, major appointment. This is a guy whose reputation's at the top of the game. He is one of the most sought-after managers in Europe. Uh, this guy is going to be able to do something. And in that first season, he transformed it. You could see that the coaching was kicking in, his system was working. And towards the end of that first season, we ripped teams apart. And I think all of us went into preseason and going into this season thinking, this is really positive. You know, signings have been made that he wanted. Um, money was invested by Enoch for the first time. Uh, th this is going to be an amazing season. Pundits, everyone had us in the top three. Nobody had us outside of the top three. I looked it up. We all, as presenters of this podcast and admins of the Spurs News Empire, had us all in the top three. Not one of us didn't think we'd be outside of the top three. Yeah. And it was a disaster, unmitigated disaster from day one. And the more and more you read about it now, the more you realise that basically Conte didn't want to be there. See, see, that's that's the thing, Sam. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, no, so, you're, you're good. So, so Conte is, is, is like you say, his his tactical kind of acumen, if you like, is 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 almost second to none. You know, he's, you can yeah. see he, win, he wins things. So, but also with him, he's he's known for his kind of motivation, like almost not, you know, I'm not sure in the kind of same levels as as Big Ange, but that kind of. Um, you know, he, he gets players, like, you know, he nurtures players, he gets them, like, you know, I, I know that I got a lot of stick for it at the time, but, uh, mm. you know, I t you talk about, I know, because I mentioned him quite a lot, but Victor Moses, you know, like, how yeah. he, he turned him, and that was, I think a lot of it must have been, you know, his, 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 his motivational skills, but I think the problem we had with Conte is that, like you like you mentioned last week, uh, when he, um, when he, he had, he suffered the, the, the deaths of, of close friends, yeah. it took that element away, and so that took yeah. it ripped the soul from what he does. And as soon as yeah. that happened, and and he and he emotionally sort of uh, checked out, if you like, it was gone, yeah. wasn't it? It was a death knell yeah. for for the, for the club. 
while he was yeah. still there. Yeah, it was. And the, the thing that frustrates me is, again, is, is stuff I read yesterday. There was a really, really long article in The Athletic talking about how Tottenham came to Ange Postecoglou and sort of all the other people involved and what was there, what wasn't. And obviously they t- they touched on how Conte's reign came to an end. And one of the things is consistently being written. So, and you, you go by sort of different journalists put different spins on things. But when you see something consistently as a narrative, you know that there's been verified by several people and that's why they're all basing it around that. Um, and basically the the essential thing is the club knew he didn't want to be there. He told them there was no way he was extending or renewing his contract. He was going back to Italy at the end of it. And yet they did nothing, which is incredibly frustrating because once you know he doesn't want to be there, you really have to act. You really need to, as as a club, go, okay, then let's shake hands, you know, uh, you know, let, uh, behind the scenes, find someone else. Then shake hands with a guy and go, look, you've suffered tremendous loss. You want to get back to Italy. We need someone here who wants to be here. Let's shake hands on your deal here. You go home. We bring in somebody else. But isn't that, again, another kind of testament almost to what we keep saying about Levy, how as a yeah. businessman, he's unreal. But as a footballing man, as a football businessman, he just, yeah, he doesn't, he just still doesn't get it, does he? No, and that is, is weird, though, isn't it? Because if you... Like, because I'm I'm a businessman. I run businesses, and if I had someone in place running a, an important section who wanted to go to somewhere else, didn't want to be there, I would very much be looking to move them as quickly as possible because the motivation to work is not there. The motivation to the detail isn't there, and and look, I I don't want to attack Conte really because I think he was genuinely struggling. I think he was mental health wise. I think it was he was living in a hotel. His family back in Italy. He, he went from flying home once every few weeks to basically every few days because he was struggling so much. Funny enough, that's, he used to fly... That's not good. No, he used yeah. to fly Ryanair, didn't he? So I can't yeah, yeah. I mean... There's countless... Like, social media used to be full of him. Like, I, like Because people used to be like, I don't know if he's going to be back for the next game because I'm on a plane <laughs> with him and Tottenham play again in like two days and yeah. there'd be another thing of him coming back. Like, oh no, he's back. He's back. <laughs> so he'd be like flying home for a day. I mean, that that... If anyone... That's a true sign of someone who went happy. No, you know, like no. I, I want to be are you home. Gonna, yeah. Are you going to fly home for an, a day and back? And logically, no. But if you're in a bad place, yeah, mm. I want to see my wife. I want to see my kids. I need to be around them because yeah. I'm struggling. Of course. And uh, so I, I don't overly, you know, there's a lot of people out there just like, oh, you ruined this. The football was crap. Yeah, the football was crap. But I don't want to attack him too much. Like I, I'm kind of all right. It didn't work. I, I kind of. Not blame, but I kind of feel like the club really should have acted, like really should have stepped in and gone, you're in a bad place <laughs> yeah. and we're and we're not doing well. But the overarching thing seems to be that because we were still in and around fourth, they wanted to just try and, oh, you know, go on, Antonio, just stay, go on, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And in the end, he kind of had that explosion because he wanted to force his way out because he just he didn't want to be doing it and the club weren't weren't coming to the table to say hey maybe you need to go home yeah no of course what what do you um so this is something i was going to ask you so um you mentioned nagelsman as well yeah and when you when i think of conte and obviously Mourinho, it was almost like they were both like we hurt the club to do you a favor you know yeah. you, like you want me 
more than I want you. Yeah. And I'm getting paid a lot of money here, so come on, let me see what I can do with you. Come on, he's quite, you know, I've had the big, I've managed the big boys and all that, you know. Yeah. Oh, come on then, I'll come over then, like, if you can pay me enough. But I feel like Nagelsmann could have potentially been like that. Yeah. But I feel like uh, Postacoglu is, it's for him, it's, you know, this, this guy, it, at the moment, this is, uh, this is kind of the biggest it's been for him. Agreed. You know, to, to yeah. manage in the Premier League. So it's almost like he wants us as much as we kind of want yeah, him. Someone, Do you know what I mean? so, someone said on Twitter, and I think it's accurate, is, and uh, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this, and apologies, if you're the person who said this, then have a pop at me. I can't remember who it was. But they, they, the tweet they put out was, I think it's a good thing that we've got someone appointed who's worked 30 years to get where they are and doesn't feel like they're just doing us a favour. Mm. Um. And I was kind of like, yeah, you know, they're seeing us as a kind of pinnacle of, you know, this is what I've been aiming to get towards, managing in England, managing at a club in England. I mean, it's going to be interesting when we hear him speak because he's very forthright. He's very clear with what he wants to say. You know, when he joined Celtic, I've listened to some of his interviews, you know, about how everyone branded me as a joke. Um, But, you know, the fans embraced me and, you know, and I wanted to repay that and stuff. Well... I had a conversation with a Celtic fan who was very clear, like the opening period of him joining, they were all just in, what the hell? You know, inside the stadium, 100% support, he said, but like social media and everything, a bit like Tottenham, it was just, what the hell? Who is this guy? What the hell's going on? Uh, I mean, I posted it to you, didn't I, in, yeah. in the chat, and then the guy was just like, but 100% everyone here is missing him now. We're, we're gutted. Um, Do you yeah, know? it's a strange old thing. But Nagelsmann, sorry, mate, just to finish that point, Nagelsmann was an interesting one for me because, like you said, you very much could have had that again of I'm Julian Nagelsmann, brand Nagelsmann, and I'm going to Tottenham, but I, I, it's more about me than it is about them. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt with him from outside, and if the club spoke to him and got that vibe, then avoiding him was the right thing to do. Um, but... I, I kind of got the impression he looked right now after what happened at Bayern, we were the sort of club he wanted where he could go, right, give me time. You know, let, I need to come in, work, get a team playing the way I want them to play and then rebuild my rep as much as, much as anybody else. And sometimes you need someone motivated, even if it's motivated a bit selfishly, you know, you, you need that because they're going to come in and buy into it. But, with like you said, with Ange Postecoglou, we've appointed someone who doesn't have that. He wants to create a team that plays attacking football. Um, there's a fantastic video of him on the touchline at Celtic going oh, mental yeah. when they're passing yeah. the ball Stop back. Stop passing it back! Yeah, and I mean like really, really, and like the fans are like, ooh, like it is, it, you know. There are certain players in our team who are about to get their absolute bells rung by this. Um, so I, <laughs> he is all about going forward and attack. Um, I, I'm, I'm concerned about our defending because of the level it has been this season. Um, with Ange Postecoglou, apparently he's, he's even said again on interviews, I don't focus on defence really. I focus on getting the ball forward and scoring. Um, which a lot of people have now compared him to when we appointed Ozzy Ardiles, and Ozzy Ardiles just played five attackers, and we were every game was like six three or five four, and like oh that's what it could be again. Please don't do that to me. <laughs> I, I don't think I could take that now. I'm an adult. I'm in my forties. 
I think that would finish me off. Um, I, when I was a teenager, it was funny. No, not now. Not no, now. no. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of. It's difficult. You, you want to, you, you want to have your opinion of your club in your head of, we're a big club. You want to look at that. You look at the financial aspect of Tottenham Hotspur and Forbes put us as fourth or fifth largest income sport franchise in the world. And not just football, soccer, Americans, sports franchise. So we're up there with the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys. And we're like the fourth for income over the last three years. And yes. when you look at that and you're a fan, you're like, oh, how enough? Why, you know, why aren't we, you know, oh, just buy a team, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you look at another list that's been published, which is the top um, high, highest uh, valued commercially football clubs. And we're eighth. Now we're behind Arsenal, Chelsea, um, a couple of other teams, but we're eighth on this list in the world. Of the top 10, we are eighth. When you look at the clubs around us over the last 20 years and their trophy halls, it's ridiculous. Like we're next to PSG who have won the league 18 out of 20 times. Uh, they've won Europa, they've won this. So Real Madrid who've won, I think in the last 20 years, 11 Champions Leagues. We're up there. We're like right in amongst it. So commercially, like you said about Daniel Levy in business, commercially we're like this juggernaut, which is unbelievable. Imagine what we'd be if we actually won stuff. <laughs> it's just like, if we're up there just based on we are Tottenham Hotspur FC, um, you know, everybody likes us. We're nice. No, nobody seems to like us. Everybody right. seems to like us. West Ham won that trophy last night, and the first thing I got was abuse from West Ham fans. And I genuinely was just like, if you are abusing me right now, rather than celebrating what's got to be the best night of your life as a fan so far... That kind of says something about you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like if we like that if that night in twenty nineteen we won the Champions League, I wouldn't have given up about Arsenal fans or Chelsea fans. I'd have just been mental. Yeah. In a few days' time, I might have sent them a quick test. Like, oh, you ever had one of these? But on the night. No way! Like the full time whistle went and my phone started blowing up. You're not thinking about <laughs> other teams, are? And do, do you know? Oh, no. I know what you mean about the the hate as well, because um, someone on uh, one of the, the WhatsApp groups I mean, Spurs WhatsApp groups, he said he was walking through St Pancras uh, Station in London uh, last night yeah. after the game, and the tenor he was playing, "I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles." <laughs> like, can you yeah. imagine if like they start yeah. if we won a trophy and they'd be playing that? They'd be like uproar, wouldn't there? There'd be loads of complaints mm. and. But we just seem to be. Everyone seems to hate us, don't they? Yeah. Do, do you know yeah, what I want? I want to make. Yeah, I want to make make a point um, uh, about uh, Postecoglou as well. So it's it's going a little bit yeah. off, but it's kind of you know on the same the same ballpark a little bit. But um, I know I mentioned it in chat as well about how uh, when you listen to Conte being interviewed before and after the match, it used to bore the utter shit out of me to the point yeah. where I never yeah. used to watch him in the end. It was like, and so I think, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know kind of whether this is this is something or or it's just me, but a lot of what they're talking about is getting Spurs, the fans, us fans, reconnected with the team again. Yeah. And I, I actually think uh, him being an English speaker, like, you know, English being his, his yeah. primary language, 
I know he is Greek, isn't he? And he speaks fluent Greek, but English is yeah. his primary language, being Australian. I, I'm looking for, I know you said this, I'm looking forward to listening to his pre and post match interviews. Yeah. And I feel like just because, look, don't get me wrong, like, you know, it's like you just talked about Spurs being a global club. So, you know, I appreciate that there's fans from all over the world, but really, I mean, the core. You know, he's English. You know, we're an English club, yeah. and when you go to the stadium, I know you get a lot of South Koreans there, but ninety percent are English people, aren't they? You know, from yep. England. You know, because it's a London club. You know, you know me either from London or from Bristol, or, or yeah. well, you know. So, I, so I I think that would actually help uh, having an English speaking like well, say not English because I know Conte speaks English, but English being their first language. Yeah. manager do you, do you see what i mean like, I don't, it might we're, not make any difference but for me gonna i feel find like it out. connect me yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, you know very soon we're gonna we're gonna find out i mean i think he's very plain spoken so i don't think he's gonna mince his words like every australian i've ever known to be honest with you yeah and, um, and you, yeah absolutely and, and you know as well and this is this is i think that uh, uh, conte and especially Mourinho use to their advantage okay so because english isn't their first language <clears throat> although they could both speak english obviously fluently they you still get the kind of the nuance nuances with the way they speak, you know. Yeah. So so with with Conte and and especially Mourinho, so I keep talking about Mourinho, but it's because this part of this point is that they were given an interview, and you kind of you got what they were saying, but at the same time you're like, could it have meant that? Could it have meant this? And I feel like with 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 Postecoglou, he's gonna he can't do that because English is his first language, you know. So he can't be, you know, you you, you can't misinterpret what he's saying. He, he and he, and he seems like a quite, he seems like a, um, you know, when you like for example after the after we played Leeds last game of the season, yeah. and you saw. Uh, Big Sam getting interviewed, right? Yeah. He didn't mince his words, did he? He said, "They, I'm pissed off with the team." Like, I think that's probably why they didn't keep yeah. him on because he was like, "I asked them to be professional, when they weren't." You know, just blunt, play. You understand yeah. it? You know, it's all very clear. Yeah. And 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 I, and, I, and I think that will help us. Like, list. Like, I think when you when we see interviews with 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 our Big Ange, I'll call him Big Ange, right? That's what I'm going to call him from now on. Go for it. Right. When we see interviews of him. We're not gonna. We're gonna understand what he's saying exactly, aren't we? So yeah. I think that will help from our point of view. Anyway, you know, not like you know, the people in different countries of sports spurs, not so much maybe, but for English-speaking languages and especially here in England, it's gonna help us reconnect. I think with, with the club a bit through him because we're gonna get it a bit more. You know, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't. I, I kind of like. Um, I don't want to kind of come that to come out. Mis- I don't want to misinterpret out that, you know, because I, I've got no problem. I've got no problem managers, any, any manager from any country. But I'm just, I'm almost looking, and I'm sure you're doing the same as well. I'm looking for anything I can to like, how how are we going to get better? How are we going to get better? And even the yeah. small things could potentially help. Do, do you know what I mean? Even, yeah. even watching, like, you know, you said you were watching those videos on the training field. I love yeah. watching it because I get everything he's saying, like you know, and, yeah. and I, I did understand Conte, and I did understand Mourinho, but sometimes I'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's he's very clear, he's very direct. This is how we're gonna play. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be exciting. Um, it's what you want to hear, isn't it? It's what you want to hear. It is. Sometimes it, it is, needs to go. Sometimes it needs to just be simple. Sometimes the yeah. sim the simpler you can get things, the better it yeah. is. I mean, the other thing, I mean, I told you there's that clip of him going mental at the sideline. There's another clip of him at halftime when he was manager of Australia national team where he lays into him for being fucking lazy. And he's like, I I know who's stopped working. I can see you. Um, Celtic, 
the the mantra was we don't stop. You stop at halftime, you stop at full time to celebrate. In between that, you do not stop. And I'm watching, and I see who's working, and I see who's getting lazy. And I, and, I, and I'm hearing that, and I'm thinking, oh, mate, it's what we need, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you're you are you are preaching to the choir right here. See, because and... do you remember I spoke about Dyer with his shoulders slumped? He ain't gonna have that, yeah. is he? No. Yeah, he'll right. see and he'll see that. Yeah, he'll see it. And and the the other thing that see. The thing that often worries me at Tottenham is interventions. I, and, I, and I'll give you an example. I am not a Jose Mourinho fan, really. But Jose Mourinho had an issue with Undombele and his work rate. And Jose Mourinho laid into him for that. We had an Amazon documentary at the time. And in that Amazon documentary, Undombele and his agent went to Daniel Levy. And Daniel Levy sat down with him, reassured him, yeah. told him what a great player he is, told him how... Sonny struggled in his first season. And don't worry, we're all behind you. You're going to be great here. Now, if you're a head coach and you are trying to lay into a player, you have got to work harder. Then your boss puts your arm around that player and goes, don't worry about it, kid. You're doing great. You'll be fine. That's a massive kick in the nuts. Yeah. yeah. So if Postacoglu rips into somebody's like Hoybier, Dyer, people like that who have been at the club a little while... And they go to Daniel and go, Daniel, the new Aussie man was mean to me. And he go, oh, don't you worry, precious. I'll talk to him. Then that fucks it straight away. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like we can't have that anymore. And he must realise that. I hope someone like Scott Munn or someone says to him, says, no, your office is up there. They don't go near you. You yeah, are the yeah. chairman of this football club. If someone's going to sit down with you, it's for a contract, or someone sit down with you, there's a serious issue to sit down with you. They're not coming to you with, the new coach was mean to me. Yeah. Well, hopefully, no. that's that's the role that Munn will take. So, like, he will have, so. he will be the next one. So, if, if they're not happy with him, and I, and I can't imagine being a fellow, was he, that he's going to be like, no. you know, like that. No. I mean, he's, again, a little bit about Scott Munn I've been looking into. He's very forthright in the way he speaks as well. Again, it's a very Australian trait. I do feel weird about Tottenham becoming Team Aussie right as we're going into an Ashes summer, though. I yeah. Don't know how I feel about that. Like, if England win the Ashes, <laughs> are are they gonna want to sabotage us? I mean, if Australia win the Ashes, am I gonna want to hear them speak ever? <laughs> uh, anyone you, who's you... not anyone who's not a cricket fan, they'll give a crap. No, for exactly. me, this is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do, you, do you know? I was having yeah. a conversation with Seb uh, yesterday about the fact that um, did he sign something like six players from the Japanese league um, yeah. at Celtic? So, like. I do. I mean, I, I've got the feeling I know what the answer will be, but I'm wondering whether they'll be good enough. Some of the players that, because what obviously what he's done is he's gone. So he's looked at. He's been in that league, and he's when he's at Celtic, he's like these ones. These are the mustard ones that you know bring yeah. them over. But it's one thing bringing them over to the Scottish league, isn't it? But yeah. I wonder whether that's going to work in the Premier League. Because I, I, I think, and I know this is. I don't want to bore everyone because I know it's a conversation we have all the time. But I'm now at the point where I'm wondering whether, and I don't think it's going to happen, especially as he's been pictured in the new kit, but you, uh, I read that when when he took over at Celtic, they sold their best player. They this, did, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he basically just built a team up, his team. And I'm wondering whether that could potentially work. And I think one of the pundits, I can't remember which one it was, uh, saying that might, this might be the time to do it because it will, it will suit the club and it will suit Kane. Mm. But, you yeah. know, I... I um, the Harry Kane situation, don't read anything into the new kit. Gareth Bell promoted the new kit the of season yeah. the, when he went to Real Madrid. 
Um, there's there's interest from Madrid in Kane. There's interest from Man United, uh, and that is definite. There's probably more. I think Bayern Munich, but uh, I think I read yesterday, Bayern Munich have moved on. Um, so Kane has a decision to make. Kane has twelve months left on his deal. He can pick a club to move to this summer and try and engineer the move, and the club can accept an offer. Or he can wait 12 months and do whatever he wants. Uh, personally, I think he's going to be here for next season and then take a massive payday. The only... The, right, I've come up with this, right? And I've seen a few people say it on Twitter, but I swear I said it first. So all of you out there, listen. I think the best deal all around is that we sit down with the chairman of Real Madrid, Daniel Levy and Harry Kane, right? Real Madrid are signing Jude Bellingham for best part of 100 million. That means they don't have a hundred million to blow on Kane right now, and that Jude Bellingham's a fantastic player, and he's going to Real Madrid. That's amazing for England, by the way. Yeah. Side note. So I think Harry Kane signs a new deal at Tottenham this five years, and that new five-year deal includes a two-year loan to Real Madrid. Real Madrid pick up his wages in full for two years. We, you know, they don't have the transfer fee. We know that Kane comes back after two years, all his trophies and his medals from Real Madrid. And then people can and leave him alone with that, can't people, they? People can leave him alone. Tottenham fans will support the shit out of him. Yep, because he's still he's our there, player. Because yep. he's still our guy, England. He's still the England captain. And he gets to come back and smash the record in a Tottenham shirt when he comes back. And then once that deal expires, he can leave football and become the NFL kicker for the new London franchise, the Hotspurs of London, NFL, and you'll be their kicker. And life's good. See, I've solved it, Daniel, if you're listening. Can just you, just frigging get on with it. Do you know what, Sam? That makes so much sense, mate. <laughs> and and every it, everyone's happy. He's happy. Yeah. We're happy. Yeah. We, 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 as a club happy. Would, we as a club would just be like, yeah, okay, that's fair. He yeah. deserves that opportunity to go play and, in. And it gives, that. yeah, and it gives uh, it gives uh, Postecoglou a couple of years to get his, yeah. you know, and then he comes yeah. come back, mate, after two years, yeah. and you yeah. have comes, your Champions League trophies. Back, yeah, we've already got Richie who can play nine, and if you look at the way Postecoglou plays, it would really work with the way Richie runs everything. He oh. runs everything. Yeah. It, it honestly, it's a great deal, everyone. It's a no-brainer. People, I, I. If I had Daniel Levy's email address now, because he changed it after the amount of abuse he got over the last couple of months, I would, and that wasn't all me, um, I, I'd send him the idea. I'd say, Daniel, this might be so simple you've overlooked it. Think of this. It's, it's just perfect, isn't it? Yeah, it works. And people, yeah, just get on with it. Just get <laughs> it done. If it happens now, everyone, you heard it here first. <laughs> this, this was my idea. And I deserve a cut of the commission, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd say Harry, not Charlie, because his, his brother blocked me on Twitter after oh, I spoke. Well, in fairness, I'd have blocked me. After that Gary Neville interview in 2021, I kind of was a bit abusive. You got a bit passionate, Sam, should we put it that way? Passionate, yes. I uh, Basically, yeah, yeah, I wasn't polite. No. I wasn't very polite to poor Charlie, who was doing his best. Anyway, <laughs> I'm still pissed. Tom Carroll blocked me on Twitter. By the way, everyone who's what's, listened to this show for a long time will know that. What's he up to, Tom Carroll? Is he still playing? I don't care. I'm hoping he's playing for like the Fulham third reserves overage pensioners eleven. I don't care. Little do, shit. Do, I supported him his entire life. I made one <laughs> joke, and I didn't even friggin' tag him. I made one joke, and the little 
git went through Twitter searching his own name because that's the only way he could have found it and blocked. I mean, he blocked a lot of Spurs Twitter that day as we were all making the same joke. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, yeah, move on, move on, Sam. That's what I say. No, I don't want to move. Let's on. hope Tom. <laughs> let's hope Tom's moving on as well. Do you know? Um, I was I went to um last or well, season just gone. Uh, Seb and I went to a, a few Stevenage games home and away. Yeah, yeah. And fantastic, they got promoted to League One. Uh, but yeah. what one of the away games we was at, we went to see, um, went to the Wimb- Wimbledon, see him play Wimbledon. It was a good game actually. They won three yeah. two. Um, it's this a new stadium. It's quite a nice one actually. It's small, but I mean they're quite yeah. a small club, aren't they? And unfortunately with them, because they've sort of built around flats, they can't make any bigger. So if they get, no. if they grow, they're stuck with this tiny stadium. But Chris yeah. Gunter was there, and I think he retired at the end of the season. I was like, oh, I remember him? I remember Chris Gunner. Yeah, I remember Chris Gunner. He'd play anywhere across the back four. A master of all trades. Yeah. Well, no, jack of all trades, master of none. But, no, uh, master of none. But it made me feel really old because, like, especially as I saw an article a couple of weeks later saying he was that was it, he was retiring. I'm yeah. like, I just remember, I remember him being I'm, a I remember teenager. being the youth player, yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah, that's, that's depressing. Yeah. That's always depressing. <laughs> Um, look, the, the idea of this show today was basically to welcome Big Ange um, and to say um, welcome our Australian overlords because Scott Munn's in place now as well. Uh, we dropped the Italian for the Australian links now. Um, <laughs> an interesting thing on, on Ange Postacoglu as well, you just mentioned about they signed players from Japan. Um, a Scottish journalist said to him, said, oh, you've brought in four Japanese players. Can you talk about that? And I kind of loved what he said. Um, he replied saying, I've bought four very good players. Please don't brand everyone from one area as one. He said they are four individuals, four very different people if you speak to them. And they are four football players who play in four different positions and are very, very good. And that's who I've signed. You know, don't please just because there's this preconception in this part of the world that footballers from other parts aren't any good. Yeah. So you lump them all in together. Mm. And I think Celtic fans uh, stand by the fact that these players have been very, very good for them. Yeah, they have. They have. Um, and, and the thing about Andrew Postacoglu is he recruits to people who work. So we may not see signings of the names that we as fans are like, oh, this person, this person, we want to sign this person. But we will see recruitment of people who will work yeah. because he won't have anyone who doesn't. Mm. And anyone who does join who's uh, a name that we know, he will insist and will make sure when he speaks to them and explains to them, this is my expectation. And if you're not willing to do that, you're gone. Yeah, I like that. And he did that at Celtic. Here's the thing that worries me is Celtic backed him to do it and he did it and it worked. I always have a reservation with us that they won't do that. Like I said, that moment with Undumbele, when Daniel Levy put his arm around him and reassured him, to me, that was the death knell for Undumbele. That was, that was the, oh, good. Doesn't matter what I do, I'm fine. Mm. And he's been out on loans. You know, people are saying like, oh, he gets another chance. Yeah, I'm sure he does get another chance. But this guy worked under Pochettino, wasn't doing well. Jose didn't do well. Um, the other guy we won't mention. We don't talk about no, 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 no. Uh, Conte gave him a go. Mason turned his nose up at him as well. He went back to Leon. They benched him. He went to Napoli on loan. Hardly played. Yeah. 
and Napoli won the league. You got a you got a league winners medal in Italy for God's sake. Ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. So here, here's the thing. Another thing for the Harry Kane deal, right? Real Madrid. You want to win trophies, get the Champions League back, the league in it in Spain. So bring in a Tottenham player. Seriously, the 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 curse of leaving Tottenham and winning stuff trumps everything. <laughs> Brian Gill just won the Europa League with Eric Lamella. <laughs> Little Brian Gill, who ain't good enough to play for Tottenham, just won a European trophy by beating Jose Mourinho, which made it a bit better as yeah. well. And it was a proper European trophy as well. <laughs> I ain't going down that road. Look, I'm going to say this, and it hurts me, okay? There are three European trophies now. They are proper. They are. Last season, West Ham were in the Europa League and reached the semi-finals. This season, they dropped down to the Conference League and they won it. That shows that they took the competition seriously and they progressed well in them. And if you get to the semi-final of the Europa League, then yeah, you should be doing well in the Conference League. And they proved it. They backed it and they did it. Well, you Tottenham got, yeah. treat those competitions like shit, yes, um, and I, have done for years, and it drives me insane. But what you what you got what you got to realise though is that okay, they did that. Where did they finish in the league, West Ham? It's it's one I'm or the not, other. It's one or the I'm other. Not, I'm I'm not. <laughs> yeah, all right. They are still a Premier League team next season, and they've won a trophy. We finished eighth, and we never even got close. I honestly don't know if I could say to you which I prefer right now. Eighth in the league does nothing. It's it's nothing. It's mid table. It's shite. Winning a trophy and finishing sixteenth, uh, seventeenth, and then being able. I I don't, honestly don't know. Right now, my head's kind of like I don't know. I I haven't got an answer to that. It is kind of bugging me. Um, but genuinely, take the competition seriously. Take the FA Cup seriously. Take the League Cup seriously. Because you lift trophies, all of a sudden that whole monkey off comes off the club's back and you can actually progress then. Because right now it is just the worst running joke in football. I mean, we are getting slammed constantly. Man City won the FA Cup. Newspapers are doing graphics of all the teams that have won FA Cups. We're not even on there. We've won it eight times. But the narrative and the thing that Tottenham don't win anything is now so entrenched... That we're being left off these things. <laughs> it's like, it's ridiculous. And yet we still don't take them seriously. It's like, oh, top four. Yeah, top four is really important financially and for success and everything for the club, definitely. But we got to take the cup seriously. We're not in Europe next season. we got to take the cup seriously as well. Please. I'm begging you, Ange. Please. <laughs> we love Mr. you, Ange. Mr. Postacoglu. We love you, Ange. Do it for us, buddy. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. That is our show. Now, I am going to leave us with a speech from Ange Postikoglu. Um, he is talking to the Australian national team before a game at a World Cup. Um, and everyone, if you've not heard this, just listen. If you have heard it, listen again. Uh, but Matt, until the new season, I'll speak to you again soon. Look after yourself, mate. So, game day, boys, yeah? So, when you walk out today... Just think about one thing, right? You think about the person in your life, as I've always said to you, it could be your mum, could be your dad, could be a brother, sister, uncle, grandfather, partner, friend, coach, somebody in your life that when you started, 
believed in you more than anyone else. That when you said, I want to play football, and you were passionate about it, they're the ones that made the sacrifices. They're the ones that pushed you. That when people said to you, you're not good enough, they're the ones that picked you up and said, no, no, you keep going. Think about that person. Think about how that person's going to feel when we win tonight. When they're at home and the text messages start coming through to them and people ringing them and people sharing the experience with them and when they wake up tomorrow morning in Australia and everyone wants to talk to them, they'll feel like it's them that's achieved it. And you know what? It is them. Because that's who you're walking out with tonight. When I walk out, my old man's next to me. He's a hard man, my old man. Still is today. But he's the one that kept saying to me, no, you can keep doing what you're doing. You're going to love this game and you're going to make it to the very top. Hard man, though. We won the Asian Cup, said fucking went to his place because he can't travel. He's the Asian Cup man. Dad, he goes, well done, son. But if you'd made a substitution a little bit earlier and you stopped this playing out from the back shit, you wouldn't have gone into extra time and you'd be fine. Still a hard man. Can't please him. That's who made me. He walks out with me tonight. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Follow us on social media. All links are in the podcast description.